And welcome everybody to another episode of Sig Daddy's Wrestling Show. I'm your host, Sig Daddy, and it is the week in review for this week. NWA Power, AEW Dynamite, and Friday Night SmackDown. The reason I did this partly was because while I was finishing up my Survivor Series review, Monday Night Raw was on, so I could not really accurately review that while I was trying to finish up my Survivor Series podcast, my Survivor Survivor Series review, but you can find that in the archives. Also, I hope you enjoyed my NXT TakeOver War Games and Survivor Series review. Also, the other reason why I did this on, decided to do this on Friday instead of on Wednesday night going into Thursday is uh, is, uh, because I didn't really get to, I don't ever get to really watch SmackDown live, well, Friday Night SmackDown in general, so this gave me, I had an opportunity, I had an open weekend, my schedule freed up for one Friday, and I got the opportunity to watch Friday Night SmackDown, so that's why I'll bring it to you today, but uh, let's go start, let's start out with NWA Power starting on Tuesday. A lot of this was just kind of promo work announcements and such. Uh, Early on, there was an announcement saying Aldis' opponent would be decided, and then it would be a two-out-of-three falls match at Into the Fire, that pay-per-view coming up in a few weeks. It starts the first real segment we have on on NWA Power is Eli Drake with Dave Marquez from Championship Wrestling from Hollywood. He talks about how people compare him to Ric Flair, Rocks, and Steve Austin. Says he's championship material. He'll wait, though, because he's got issues with Ken Anderson currently. And some people think they are, are the same person, which they really aren't. He says the difference between them is that he... that. Eli Drake can't be stopped. I thought this was a simple yet effective promo. There is, it, it does make sense that they do compare Eli Drake to Ken Anderson as they're both very, very good mic guys and uh, speakers. But it sets up their match coming up at Into the Fire. And then after that, it's Joe Galley revealing Wild Card versus Rock and Roll Express for the NWA World Tag Team Championships. Next week on the next episode of NWA Power, then first, then we got the Thunder Rosa into the cage video package about the lead up to her first MMA fight. Um, it was nice to learn about some of her background, and she talked about her background where she worked at a middle school with kids who had mental problems, and how wrestling was kind of an outlet, and, and how wrestling was an outlet for not being able to help some of those kids that were abused she as she worked with uh, middle school kids with mental problems uh, and how she was depressed and stuff and sometimes it's still hard for her to process process that kind of stuff I thought this was it gives us a little more in-depth into who Thunder Rosa really is I thought it was good but I this this episode is just it was a lot of like video packages and kind of promo stuff and I, I i just i i liked the i liked the promo stuff that i saw but i i really 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 prefer to have my wrestling mixed in because if i wanted to watch an hour worth of promos i could go watch raw or smackdown and i really don't want to do that i want to watch some wrestling i do like my promos sprinkled in there with them 
as uh, it furthers the story and stuff, but I just rather see some matches thrown in. And then uh, Stevens, Aaron Stevens, he cuts a promo saying they were punished for last week. Him in the question mark after attacking uh, Ricky Starks and uh, Stevens then cuts. Aaron Stevens cuts a promo saying they were punished for last week as question mark will have to face Zane Dawson. And what's on the line for this is if Zane Dawson loses, he has him and his partner have to recite Shakespeare, have to act out Shakespeare. And if question mark loses, he has to unmask. And question mark wins, of course. And then the Dawson's read Shakespeare and Stevens pukes because it's so bad. And then this match was an empty arena match, so there was no one there. There was a lot of shouting and grunting. The match lasts all of about two or three minutes. Yeah, question mark wins with his signature karate move, karate move. Uh, then Dawson's read Shakespeare, and this is actually kind of funny. It was Stevens was in the background puking. On the side, in the side frame, he was puking as the Dawsons were trying to act out Shakespeare, and it was, that was pretty inter- entertaining. I really like the dynamic between the question mark and Aaron Stevens, as it's kind of they're kind of a, kind of opposites, and Stevens is Stevens doesn't like to embrace the embrace the fans, while the question mark does. Then we find out question mark will take on Trevor Murdoch. At into the fire. That should be interesting. Both guys have a lot of momentum going. We'll see if question marks momentum continues, which I assume will. And then we have Trevor Murdoch, who has been kind of has been getting the following and the, the getting the fans behind him. And then we get Joe Galley with Melina in an interview. Uh, she talks about her love of pro wrestling. She just doesn't show up anywhere when she does. Uh, she wanted to come to something innovative like NWA Power, and she thinks she had an influence on wrestling today. And she sometimes feels like she doesn't get the credit she deserves. And she says, uh, Allison Kay acts like that title means nothing, the NWA Women's Championship, and how Melina, how, how she's never had it easy and thinks the title deserves better and wants to make her appreciate what she's had, has, has, or had when she beats her for it eventually effective promo furthering the story uh, with Molina and Allison Kay I'd prefer honestly to be Thunder Rosa to be the one to dethrone her but I see what they're doing with the more established name in Molina and there's the women's division in NWA is not very deep right now it's what maybe six or seven six seven or seven or eight maybe girls went seven or eight women deep uh but it was effective and it sets up the first kind of big feud as they'll be it'll be thunder rosa not thunder rosa it'll be one two of the members of molina's group either thunder rosa molina or marty bell versus ashley vox and allison k at into the fire and then we get the part two of Into the Cage as this is chronicling Thunder Rosa's journey into the cage as she had her first MMA fight. And uh, we get kind of a recap of the fight and then her emotional spirits of in competing into the, in the cage. I like this video package. It gives us more of a look at her personally and it gives us a reason to kind of connect with her and 
what she's kind of gone through and this whole package as a whole was really good and I, I I thoroughly enjoyed it and then it's revealed next week that it's Colt Cabana versus Ricky Starks in a non-title match they kind of had an interaction a couple of weeks ago where Starks kind of looks at him and they, they'll uh They'll have a Don title match next week. And then we have, the, of course, the tag team title match next week. And a couple more matches revealed. Like we said, Eli Drake versus Ken Anderson at Into the Fire. James Storm versus Nick Aldis is revealed at the end for the 10 pounds of gold, two out of three falls. And we next week it is announced that uh, Aldis will talk about what Camille whispered in Storm's ear as she's kind of been quiet this whole entire time in nwa and thinks everyone thinks all this kind of controls her and uh but yeah he uh whispered something in james storm ear just a couple of weeks ago if not a week ago i thought this overall was an okay episode some decent interviews and promos it gave us some matches for the pay-per-view gave us some idea what the card's going to look like and I just wish, really, like I said earlier, I just wish I got more wrestling. If I wanted to watch an hour worth of promos and video packages, I would go watch WWE because I feel like I get that almost every single week with Raw or SmackDown. I only watch, I only get to really watch, like I mentioned, Raw, but there's a special exception that I got to watch SmackDown this week. But I did what they did with what they did with the video packages and the promos. I thought it was pretty good, but still, I like a lot more wrestling other than that three-minute match we got with the question mark and uh, Zane Dawson. Up next, it was AEW Dynamite on Wednesday, and it was it kicked off with the Chris Jericho Thanksgiving celebration for the champion. Soul Train Jones is out there. <laughs> Of course, there's a Jericho gives away such a great deal. 50 cents off coupon for the Le Champion t-shirt on ProWrestlingTees.com. He also presents his own bubbly that's on sale, which I figured out actually two bottles of it cost $46. So if you want to go venture out for that, be my guest. And then... Uh, him and Soul Train Jones toast. They bring out the inner circle. I thought this is a pretty good, pro, pretty good uh, opening promo and stuff. Funny stuff with Jericho, and they bring out the Jarrah Goat. Uh, Jake Hager does. Sammy Guevara brings out a cardboard cutout of him and uh, Jer- him himself and Jericho hugging. That was pretty funny too. And then. The big present is revealed to be Chris Jericho's dad. And it was Ted Irvine. He bashes the Chicago Blackhawks and kind of gives them all custom-made jerseys. And uh, Jericho forces Justin Roberts to read the thank you letter. And he kind of thinks Roberts was condescending with his tone. Jericho, he was always, like he's been saying this whole entire time he's been in AEW, he wants a thank you from the AEW higher-ups and Turner Time, Turner Time Warner. He gets that, but Roberts reads it in a condescending tone, Jericho thinks. Then Robert gets beat up. And then SCU comes down disguised as band members as they were standing on the stage when Jericho came out for the beginning of the celebration. I thought this was an effective promo, uh, effective segment in general, as Scorpio Sky gets momentum going to his title match later into the night. 
And then we actually have a different ring announcer for the rest of the night, which I liked that they kept that going, as Justin Roberts is actually a hometown guy. Next, we get the Best Friend versus the Lucha Brothers. I thought this was a nice little tag match to start out the show. This seems to be building to the Lucha Brothers splitting up, which in all honesty, I wouldn't mind seeing because I'd rather see Ray Phoenix as a singles guy and both Pentagon Jr. Well, and Pentagon Jr. as singles because they both could really, I think, flourish in the singles division. But it was a fun little tag match and best friends actually get the win over the Lucha Brothers. The best friends keep getting some momentum. Uh, Trent, he got a win over Pentagon on AEW Dark this week. And then also Pentagon, then uh, Trent and Chucky beat the Lucha Brothers this week in a tag team match. And then we got B Priestley and Emi Sakura versus Chris, Chris Statlander and Hikaru Shida. I still am kind of confused. They haven't really... I thought for a second that uh, Emmy Soccer was actually a face, but I guess she's still a face. But Soccer has a funny moment in this match when Sheeta was setting up to launch herself off the chair. Sakura sat there and acted like she was drinking tea. I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, Sakura wins with the roll up in this match after using the mic stand. Uh, I don't understand Sheeta taking a loss here as she's supposed to be the number one contender for the AEW World women's championship i i like one thing i like that statlander got to be showcased this is the first time we really gotten to see her i thought this was a decent match though with an iffy finish i just didn't agree with emmy sakura and b Priestley getting the win here as it didn't really make sense i guess it's their bait playing off the records uh records thing where whatever the rankings that's what i mean they're playing off the rankings situation where if it's lost, you could drop down it every week or whatever. I just thought this would make more sense to have a Hikaru Shida as a top contender. but Because it had a match at AEW Double or Nothing, so it'd be, not Double or Nothing, it'd be All Out. Which the story's already right there. It's a rematch or whatever. So Shida tries to get revenge. and She can kind of play the heel in that match. She played the heel in the first match, so... I don't know. I just thought it made more sense if Sheeta would get the win, and I don't know why she she eats the loss when she's the number one contender. Uh, following the commercial break, we get Pack versus Omega. Uh, another match won by a roll up. Let's let's can we can we cut it with the roll ups, please? Just please, let's stop it with the roll ups. I see them every single week. Someone wins with a roll up. Why can't we just get a definitive finish where someone eats a finisher, eats their bit gets. Well, it gets hit with their big move, and they lose. That's all I ask. I'd wish that we'd see more definitive finishes instead of these roll-up wins. As Omega gets the win here, and his comeback tour is starting to be it's it's beginning with this match. He gets the avenges his loss against Pac from All Out. I thought this was a good match, and like I said, I'd prefer I really prefer finisher being hit for a win. As the last two matches were both roll-ups, we I'd like to get a little different finishes every once in a while in this, and and I just it's kind of bothers me that Pack took another loss here, but I guess this is the dilemma you face when you make win and loss records matter. It it, it makes it hard to book certain things without having guys lose. 
and like keeping guys strong like Pack and Omega as they have all taken losses and like Hangman Page even. Following that was MJF with Wardlow versus Adam Page for the Dynamite Diamond Ring. The $43,000 Diamond Ring, if I may say. Um, we both got nice video promos from MJF and Adam Page pre-match. I thought this was an okay match. Nothing really that great. MJF was definitely the right winner as this will just give him something to really, really gloat about in the upcoming weeks. Uh, Peng, uh, Adam, not Adam Page, uh, DDP presents the ring later afterwards, but actually let's go for the finish. Wardlow punched Page as he was getting distracted while MJF, uh, he distracts the ref. Actually, yeah, Wardlow punched Adam Page while MJF was distracting the referee and then MJF hits the probably ugliest crossroads in the history of crossroads. And then DDP comes out to present the ring, talks about how his actions have been disappointing to him, and then MJF gives him his gum afterwards. And then DDP comes out, well, DDP talks about how he's going to kick Wardlow's bleep. And then a brawl ensues, and that's broken up immediately. I don't know where that's heading, but hopefully DDP doesn't take a beating. As I see, I will probably see Wardlow beat up DDP pretty badly, but MJF gets a lot of heat on this. He's got something to gloat about now. He's got to get something to show, kind of shoving Cody's face. And then uh, Dustin shows up during a commercial break, Dustin Rhodes. He tells Hager that he's not the same man as he used to be after he got his arm broken. And then Guevara and Proud and Powerful show up, fight Dustin. The Bucks come out, make the save, which ultimately sets up a six-man for next week, which we're seeing these elite and inner circle matches kind of setting up here week after week. And we will get a six-way tag match next week. I thought this was all right. Didn't overstay its welcome. It was quick and effective. It sets up a match for next week. And then we get another Dark Order video, Dark Order video talking about how it can be anything or anyone. And I thought AEW has been really smart about this. They're doing these videos for them. Each week it seems like we're getting a little bit better idea about who they are. And the really the production on these videos are very impressive. I think I think they're even better than what WWE does with their video and video vignettes. I, I I was very impressed with the production on this, and I it, it's giving me a reason to maybe get behind Dark Order, or just give me a reason to kind of understand what their kind of motive is. And then we get Scorpio Sky versus Jericho for the AEW title. And uh, barred from ringside are Hager and everyone else, Inner Circle and SCU. They all show up anyway. But it was brief. They all got kicked out anyway. Kicked out pretty quickly. But uh, And it gave Scorpio Sky at one time, that, that distraction gave Scorpio Sky an opening to give Jericho a near fall. Sky got caught on an enziguri in the middle of the ring with the line tamer finishing it. I thought it was a good mat, good showing for Scorpio Sky when the lights were bright. He didn't he didn't falter there. He was pretty good against Jericho. He hung with him. 
They both had a pretty good match. Scorpio Sky coming very close to getting the AEW title, but just falling short, having to tap out to Jericho's Lion Tamer. But this is not going to be the last time Scorpio Sky will have a world title rematch. He gets the rub from Jericho here as he has a very good showing in his first world title match in AEW. And then to close out the show, we got Moxley showing up, and him and Jericho stare down to end the show. And as Jericho, Jericho just talks trash as he just stands there. I thought this, I thought that was great because I know that I had, I saw this coming. I felt like Moxley and Jericho was about was gonna happen here really, really soon, and I'm happy to see it because Moxley's doing his best stuff right now. In all honesty. And I'm pretty pumped to see Moxley versus Jericho for the AEW world title here sometime in the near future. But overall, I thought the promo work from Jericho here was very, very good, very fun. That celebration for les champions was pretty good. Best friends versus Lucha Brothers. I thought this was a fun little tag match. Uh, Stuff I didn't like on the show was the B Priestley, Emi Sakura versus uh, Chris Statlander and Hikaru Shida. Didn't really... Didn't really kick in with me. Also on this show, actually, I forgot there was a squash match with Cody versus Matt Nix. Uh, Excalibur in the beginning of that match, he gave a good explanation why Cody still ranked. I like that we I saw that Cody won with kind of one of his secondary moves and and the figure four leg lock, and it, this gave Cody some momentum back. And then oh yeah, this is the one thing I didn't really like on this whole show. I can't believe I forgot this until the end of my AEW uh, kind of overview. But after the match, the Blade and the Butcher emerged from the ring jumping Cody. And boy, did this get zero reaction. Oh my gosh, when the Blade showed up, there was literally crickets. I could, I could, I think I could hear crickets in the building. Because zero reaction was given for that surprise kind of attack none and they got like a little bit of booze and then Allie shows up as the third member as the bunny the bunny the butcher and the blade uh, I, I was reading online this could lead to Marty Skrull coming in because Marty Skrull's I think contract is, is about to expire with Ring of Honor so this could be the opportunity to make the jump and kind of introduce Marty Skrull as a thorn in Cody's side. If it leads to that, I'll think it's pretty cool, but if it leads to nothing, I will be probably I will be highly disappointed, but I I didn't I thought that was one of the weaker things on the show, but I thought we got some good matches Pack and Omega. I just wish the finish was better. Best friends versus Lucha Brothers. The Jericho promo was really good. Uh also on that show, MJF and Wardlow, MJF and Adam Page. I thought that was effective for what it was. I didn't think it was a very good match, but it had the right winner and just keeps MJF as the top heel other than maybe Jericho and AEW. Uh, sets up a good six-man next week. And then Scorpio Sky had a really good showing in his AEW World Championship match, and we got to the point where it it's going to be Moxley versus Jericho next for the AEW World Heavyweight Championship. And maybe... Maybe Moxley's the guy to unseat Jericho for the AEW World Championship. I don't know, but I think that's the guy to do it if it's anybody. And then after that, it's my last one. It is Friday Night SmackDown. 
We open up with Roman Reigns talking about his blessings on Thanksgiving. Corbin comes out and uh, Reigns demands demands Corbin to come out and apologize. And Corbin doesn't, of course. And he says Roman's ego couldn't handle him winning the, the Survivor Series as Team SmackDown won the Survivor Series tag team match, the men's one, with Roman Reigns being the sole survivor, beating Keith Lee, and of course, Roman Reigns pretty much eliminating Baron Corbin, as Baron Corbin was kind of being an idiot on that team, so, then Corbin bashes Roman Reigns, saying his fans eat dog food like his family, and foods are, and the foods in Alabama, foods, the food in Alabama is worse then the football, and then he announces Roman will face Rude, and then Corbin said Corbin goes on to say that he will Roman will leave on a stretcher before the end of the night, and it will be glorious. The uh, Reigns and Rude match it was all right, too much involved, too much shenanigans going on there in my opinion. But at one point there was a great sell from Rude on a Superman punch. It was good match though. Reigns won after a Superman punch as uh, on Corbin and then Spear on Rude with his scepter in hand. They're trying to... It was Ziggler and Rude... Ring, Ziggler and Corbin ringside kind of getting involved during this match. But after the match, Rude takes him out with the scepter, tries to hit him with the scepter with his head prone on the chair. Like I said, Roman avoids it. Reigns eventually spears him and then obliterates him, beat, beat, hit, beats the crap out of Ziggler with the stairs. Spears Rude through the barricade, dumps all these announced chairs on him, including the announced table by the end of it, and Rude has to be stretchered out later on as Corbin watches on. I just... I Ziggler and Rude have not clicked with me. They just have not clicked with me, right? They, they haven't been clicking with me. And uh, I don't know. It's just not... The Ziggler and Rude team is just not... It's not my cup of tea, I'll say. And then we get, get figure out that a new face of fire on Firefly Firefly a new face on Firefly Funhouse will be introduced next, and uh, we get a bunch of Firefly Funhouse segments tonight, and it's kind of leading up to if Daniel Bryan will say yes to play with Bray Wyatt once again. These segments more, left me more confused than anything tonight. I. I then we get a Seamus vignette talking about his return. I thought that'll be cool to see him return. He hasn't been around for quite a while. And then we get Ali versus Gulak. I like that Ali got a win, but honestly, that means nothing as it's against Gulak, who has been portrayed as pretty much a joke now, which I don't understand. He was a cruiserweight champion. He's supposed to be this kind of tough dude, and yet they portray him as this kind of loser. And I don't know, he's completely fell down the card, even though we didn't really have much further to fall already. And then the Bailey and Sasha address the women's division, and then Sasha kind of bashes, saying she could choose her team. She would have won with her eyes closed, and says Bailey and her say that the they were let down by the entire locker room. And like said, Sasha says the weakest link on her team was her whole entire team, and then addresses each member. Lacey interrupts, and then she thinks she should be the locker room leader. Lacey actually gets a chant, which I've never heard. 
before she's not very she didn't have the fans behind her like other some others do but she actually got a little bit of a cheer here and then uh, says bailey tapped out and then taps her title which i thought that was kind of interesting and funny but uh lacy gets pushed then by sasha banks and then lacy is gonna walk away for a second and then throws her woman's right knocks sasha out and then bailey just stands there for like 10 seconds and then kind of standing there and then oh i gotta go check on my friend and uh but yeah it's gonna be set up a few between her probably bailey and lacey evans the, the women's divisions are not very good right now on both brands they're not very deep there's not very many challengers for either bailey or becky lynch as nobody's really been built up enough and either for either one well for anybody to challenge either one maybe lacey evans is the next person to challenge bailey at least it's somebody that's been in title contention before becky is without a dance partner right now on monday night raw but uh yep and then we get a huskus and bray rap about the muscle man dance talking to daniel bryan again i thought that was pretty funny i thought i enjoyed that but I'd still, this whole, this Firefly segment, Firefly Funhouse segments just left me more confused, more confused than anything tonight. We get Sonya Deville with Mandy versus Nikki Cross. Mandy then makes fun of Nikki, saying she looks like a cold plate of Thanksgiving leftovers. She gets the inside cradle and wins it. Still don't agree with these inside cradles. But uh, Mandy and Sonya jump her after the bell more this match really honestly was more about the post-match angle than it was the actual match. So Nikki gets jumped after the bell. Then Alexa Bliss makes her return, makes the save. And we got Alexa Bliss. We got Twist. Yeah, we got Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross back together. It'll probably set up a little mini feud with them and Fire and Desire. It's nice to see Alexa Bliss back because the SmackDown women's division, like I said, is in desperate need of depth right now. After that, we get a Miz and Brian backstage segment. Miz says, is it worth it to challenge Bray Wyatt again because both Rollins and Battle are changed? And then Miz says he's important to SmackDown Live and they can't afford to lose him. And then next, we got a backstage mistletoe with Maverick, Drake Maverick, and Dana Brooke. And Dana Brooke says it's the wrong holiday. Then Brooke says, aren't you married? And then uh, Maverick goes on to say it is complicated as he has yet to consummate his marriage and then uh elias comes in here guitar in the background elias plays a song and dana brooke dances along to it sings or whatever and says he's returned from a journey elias sings a song bashing drake maverick as dana dances along we finally get to see elias back in all his glory, I'm happy to see Elias. I love Elias. I will walk with Elias to the ends of this earth. Mark my words. Gosh. Up next, it was New Day issuing an open challenge to anybody in the SmackDown locker room. And whoever challenged them would get a shot at the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. They're talking about how this Black Friday is a special day. And then we get Zayn, Cesaro, and Nakamura showing up. And, of course, Zayn cuts a promo kind of 
hating everything, including Black Friday, Thanksgiving. And then we get them taking on New Day, Nakamura and Cesaro versus New Day. We had two really good wrestlers in Nakamura and Cesaro, but it's also another thrown-together tag team match. And yes, like I mentioned, the SmackDown women's division lacks depth, and so does their tag division, as I can only name one team right now that's an actual team that could challenge New Day, and that's the Revival, who just lost the SmackDown Tag Championships to them. So really, SmackDown needs to get their tag division figured out and not just do all these thrown-together tag teams like Rude and Ziggler, which doesn't click with me, and then also Shinsuke Nakamura and Cesaro. Don't make any sense to me. But anyway, we get a decent tag match. Not really a lot of heat to it. Nakamura, like I said, Nakamura and Cesaro aren't really established as a tag team enough, in my opinion. And New Day Day does retain after Kofi Kingston hits a trouble in paradise. And then after that, we get Daniel Bryan deciding if he wants to play with Bray Wyatt for the Universal Championship. And uh, all, like Bray Wyatt says, all he has to do is let him in. Bryan, during this promo, addresses what Miz, Miz says. It says he felt changed during the match, not in the way, not because of the fiend, but because of the fans. Said maybe the fans did bring back the yes movement, and then answers Bray Wyatt's challenge with a resounding yes, and said, and then Wyatt says Miz is right. Says he will change after their next match, and Brian was the reason Firefly Funhouse does exist. And then Bray Wyatt says, "Oh, the new face will finally be revealed." And The Fiend then goes on to drag Daniel Bryan under the ring, and then a bunch of hair flies out as it ends the show. I thought this was okay, SmackDown, but like I said, the tag team championships, the tag team division lacks depth, the women's division lacks depth, and these some of these matches didn't really further anything. Ali getting a win over Gulak means absolutely nothing in the long term. The Reigns and Rude was the only thing that really meant anything on this show. But the wrestling wasn't bad on this show by any means. And so with that, I will give you my rankings for this week. So number one, AEW Dynamite takes the cake and it's not even close. I enjoyed that much more. The wrestling was good. And for the most part, everything made sense. Number two, Friday Night SmackDown. It was all right. It wasn't great. Stuff didn't make sense at times. I was left more confused than I came into it. As Bray Wyatt's stuff made me kind of confused and uh, Daniel Bryan's hair being pulled out was interesting. And then we get NWA Power at number three. I'm sorry, but I gotta have wrestling on my show. I gotta have wrestling. I can't just have one match and a bunch of promos. I am. I can't do that for an hour. But those are my rankings for this week. Make sure to tune in next week with my week in review. I will go back to the same format as I usually do. I will watch Monday Night Raw, NWA Power, 
and AEW Dynamite. Now, if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to my podcast on Podbean Apple Podcast and on Spotify. And if you haven't already, follow me on Twitter and Facebook at SigDaddyWrestle. That's going to do it for me, folks, today. Make sure to tune in next week for the weekend review. That will be up on Thursday of next week. But until next time, this is Sig Daddy signing off, thanking you all for listening. And so long, everybody.